You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. They will give it on a little jet sweep. Rondale Moore will get the first down and much more. How about this kid in the Northwestern Territory? I don't think they can catch him. Moore, touchdown. Throws it right side and it's caught for the touchdown by Bryson Hopkins. Moore in motion. They get it to him. Moore in space. A burst of speed. A first down for Purdue. He's still going. Moore cuts back. Touchdown. It is intercepted. Bailey the other way. Marcus Bailey punctuates this upset with a pick six. All right. Welcome back to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue and this episode we are breaking down the Purdue football 2019 season and more specifically the schedule. It's my pleasure to bring back Alan Karpik from Golden Black. Alan, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Adam. Great. Hey, thanks for joining me again. It's my pleasure to have you back on the show. We are ready to break down the schedule and before we jump into the schedule, uh, Purdue released the depth chart for the season as of today, uh, as of this recording on Monday. Um, anything that stood out to you that you didn't maybe expect when you got a look at that? Well, I think, I think the very, the biggest storyline is just the fret, you know, that there's going to be a lot of young guys playing. That's nothing new. Um, you know, I think that, uh, Marvin Grant's move into the second team. We weren't sure where he was going to be. The fact that Corey Trice moved to cornerback again, this is a second team guy. Um, and, you know, the fact also that uh, that uh, Lorenzo Neal not starting, which we've known that was going to happen, but the, that uh, Lawrence Johnson uh, in the looks to be uh, drawing the start number 90 from uh, Fort Wayne will be in there as well. Ahmed Anderson over Milton Wright was a mild surprise. So again, it's a little bit matter of semantics. Uh, both those guys are going to play at the wide receiver position. Will Bramel also uh, over Matt McCann at the right tackle. But, of course, uh, McCann moving inside is, is the right guard. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of guys. The storyline here is that these guys are going to get a chance to play. Uh, and yeah, there will be a lot of guys that are going to play on come Friday night for Purdue. Yeah, we talked about that in our last podcast about the uh, uh, reliance on the youth this year. You guys, you got, of course, Karlaftis from uh, West Lafayette starting there at defensive end. Probably no surprise there. And, yeah, a lot of these uh, freshman wide receivers listed second. But again, like you were saying, I assume that these guys will see the see the field a lot still. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's the plan, and in my view, that's going to happen. Um, uh, but again, it's it's one of those deals where you know you're going to get a chance to see how this is all going to unfold, and unfold it will here uh, come Friday night. The first game, as you just mentioned, Friday night at uh, at Reno uh, against the Nevada Wolf Pack. Uh, they went eight and five last year. Jay Norville, their third-year head coach. Uh, how do you see this one uh, playing out? Well, I, I think this is going to be a challenge for Purdue. I mean, uh, Purdue goes into the game uh, a touchdown and a half favorite. Uh, that hasn't happened since 1999, and it's a non-conference game where Purdue's been that big of a favorite. But this game is fraught uh, with peril. You're going to be playing a game uh, in. Um, in, in elevation, this will be the uh, this will be a, a the highest elevation a Purdue football team's ever played in uh, at 4,500 feet. So that's why the Boilermakers are heading out to, on Wednesday 
to get acclimated. And, and, you know, all those kind of things you just don't know. You know, the fact that uh, Nevada won eight games last year in a bowl game uh, and, and has, a, has an offense that uh, you don't know for sure what you're going to see. Um, they, we know they're going to throw the football a lot, uh, and uh, that, that is a guarantee, but uh, you, you just don't know. Uh, and it's going to be the same thing for both teams, uh, how, they're gonna, how things are going to play out in that first game. And uh, that's what's what's going to be an interesting storyline to watch. You know, uh, Carson Strong, their quarterback, only thrown one career pass. Uh, those are all factors as well. Uh, and I think that you look at that, uh, uh, everybody thought that Malik Henry was going to be, be their starter uh, in the first game. And, of course, he uh, is going to – I think he'll, he may play some, but he's a guy that uh, – um, that, you know, that again, you just don't know what you're going to see in mm-hmm. game one. I think that's probably the biggest storyline that I look at it uh, from that standpoint. To, if, you know, that, that number, the numbers that uh, come at you uh, can change from week one to week two. But as we saw in that Miami-Florida game over the weekend, you know, it's going to be the team that doesn't uh, commit, uh, can keep the penalties down, uh, commit the fewest turnovers. Those type of things will give give. Uh, that team the best chance to win do so you you feel confident purdue will come away at this one with the victory well i mean i, I think again you know you're a 10 point favorite <laughs> it is a game purdue should win but i, I the only thing that worries you uh, from that standpoint is it's, it's it's the first game and again as i said earlier and that 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 is concerning a little bit but uh, i think purdue should this is the game purdue should win but uh, there are a lot of x factors and uh, those kind of things. I don't like the idea that uh, Purdue's going to be limited defensively without Lorenzo mm-hmm. Neal uh, and uh, how well some of these freshmen acclimate themselves not only to the elevation but just playing uh, will be a storyline. But, sure, I like Purdue to get out of there alive as I look at it today. You, uh, Purdue is 1-0 and historically against Nevada. You remember that last game? I do. It uh, was like Daryl Hazel's last year, and uh, and uh, it may have been his last win. It, no, it was not his last. Second win, to last win. Uh, yep. <laughs> second to last win, and and uh, that uh, uh, you know it was a game that if, if Nevada doesn't miss a short field goal in the fourth quarter, that game goes down to the wire. Sure. <laughs> uh, Purdue was able to pull out a twenty-four fourteen win. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's uh, you know there weren't many wins in those days, so you, you took everything you could get. I know that uh, uh, Markel Jones, I think, ran for over 100 yards mm. in the game. But other than that, uh, uh, from a Purdue perspective, there are not a lot of things you want to remember from those days. And uh, that one, uh, uh, that's about what comes off the top of the mind for right. me. <laughs> right. Not to bring up a sore subject with Purdue football fans there. All right. The following week, uh, Saturday, September 7th, it's their home opener, their second game of the season, uh, facing Vanderbilt from the Southeastern Conference. Uh, this is a big day. It's uh, also the dedication for the Tyler Trent Student Gate, so it'll be a, a an emotional day. It's also the Hammer Down Cancer Game as well. So, big day for Purdue and its fan base and the Trent family as well. Uh, historically, Purdue is actually 0-2 against Vanderbilt. Of course, they haven't played them since uh, 1942, if my calculations are correct. Uh, what do you like about this game? Well, again, I think if you look at this one, it's uh, it's uh, a lot depends on what goes on in week one. But Vanderbilt is a, is a program that's very good defensively. Uh, they've got a very good running back in Keyshawn Vaughn, a guy that Purdue that was at Illinois at one time, ran for a, I think 150 yards against Purdue when he was with the Fighting Illini, and uh, he is 
this is a team that was pretty good defensively last year in, in Vandy. So all those factors will make for a difficult difficult game uh, uh, in Ross Age Stadium uh, as its home opener. And Purdue again, as you're going to hear hear Jeff Brown talk a lot about this, uh, didn't start out that well last year. Didn't mm-hmm. start well at all last year, losing right. its first three games. And this is a an important thing that. Uh, Jeff Brown wants to fix, and that is winning games at home. But uh, it'll be a test, certainly, uh, on uh, that home opener. You feel like you feel confident they can come out with a win based on what we know now? Well, I mean, I, again, yeah, it's, boy, it's awfully early to tell on that one. I mean, I think Purdue will probably be a favorite in that game uh, as, as we look at it now, but it probably won't be. It'll be under a touchdown and from my perspective, and and uh, that will be a that will be a storyline as well that. Uh, um, you know that uh, we'll, we'll we'll be following. Following week, September fourteenth, uh, they bring in uh, Big Twelve uh, TCU, the Horn Frogs, coached by Gary Patterson, who has had a, a great coaching career. They kind of had a down year last year. You expect them to bounce back and be uh, more of a challenge for Purdue? Well, again, I, I Gary Gary Patterson always gets your attention, and TCU is going to be a team that uh, that uh, I can't imagine it will stay down. Uh, much longer, and that again will be, uh, you know, at night will be a big time environment. Uh, all those factors uh, will play into that. Texas uh, TCU kind of, you know, got got off to a start last year where they had a chance early on to kind of change their season to some extent. Um, and against Ohio State, was was in that game to the fourth quarter. Some things turned on them, uh, and then their season kind of turned from that point. Uh, you know, they had close losses to Iowa State, uh, a close loss to Texas Tech, uh, almost a loss to Kansas. Uh, and this is still a very capable program, uh, an embarrassing loss to West Virginia in terms of point spread. But uh, again, this is a team that's uh, well capable of playing and they have and they are a bowl champion. They won an overtime against Cal. Mm-hmm. So uh, Purdue, this will not be an easy game for Purdue. And uh, uh, early on, I, you know, again, Looking at it from an August perspective, uh, I think this one will be point spread early on. Will be less than three points sure. uh, uh, when you look at that one. I think another team that will be featuring a new quarterback this year as well, right? Yeah, and that's and that's a factor too, and that's going to be a storyline. You see teams that that, that uh, have new quarterbacks, uh, uh, and only in week three that uh, that's going to be something to see how well that develops. Uh, can Purdue also put some pressure on quarterbacks will be a sports storyline we'll be watching. Right. Uh, they haven't played since 1970. Purdue is 2-0 and in the history against TCU. Moving on to the next week, Saturday, September 28th, uh, Minnesota comes to town for our Big Ten opener. Uh, P.J. Fleck in his third year as well uh, at the helm. They went 7-6 and last year. Historically, uh, pretty close. Purdue is uh, uh, down in this one, 33-38-3 overall. And of course, uh, last year we'd like a game we'd like to forget when Minnesota won forty-one to ten. How do you see this one shaping out this year, Alan? Well, I think this is a pivotal game. Again, uh, looking at it from an August perspective, that uh, you're, you know, it's a game you were highly embarrassed. You're, it's, it's a program that a lot of people measure. The Boilermakers and PJ Fleck and Jeff Brom came in at the same time. Uh, those are all interesting storylines that. Uh, you know which direction Minnesota. A lot of people think Minnesota could be a competitor uh, for the West Championship. Uh, they're young, they're talented, they've got good skill position guys, 
And I think that those, those will all will play into that storyline as well. They can Purdue, uh, you know, can shake off that embarrassment and win a game at home that they simply have mm-hmm. to win uh, uh, if they're going to have the kind of season they want. Uh, Minnesota's got a good skill. Like I said, good skill position guys. Tyler Johnson is a, uh, extremely good wide out. This is a team that will be uh, uh, be a game that will, could turn Purdue's season one way or the other. Definitely. Also, Minnesota featuring defensive tackle Micah Dutreadway, the transfer from Notre Dame, will be eligible this year. Uh, what kind of factor do you think he might have in this game? Well, again, you know, this is a team that Purdue had a hard time in a very, very cold situation, one of the coldest games in the, in the history of the program up at uh, Minneapolis last year. Uh, Minnesota obviously had its way defensively with Purdue, mm-hmm. and that addition isn't going to hurt the hurt the Golden Gophers. Uh, that's for sure. All right, uh, at least historically, twenty-one and six against Minnesota in Ross Eight, so we do have that in our favor. Uh, following that, they go to Happy Valley or not so Happy Valley, depending on your perspective. Penn State, uh, Nittany Lions, and James Franklin. The following week. Historically, not very good against Penn State. Um, three fourteen and one, including an eight-game losing streak. And again, going back to Hazel's last year, where they got walloped uh, sixty-two to twenty-four in that game. Uh, Penn State's coming off a bye week before this game, so they're going to be well prepared. What are your thoughts? Well, and, and this is a game that, on paper, you look at the toughest games on the schedule. It's probably in the top two. Maybe the Wisconsin game on the road. Uh, could be tougher, but uh, this is a tough place for anybody to play, let alone Purdue. The Boilermakers have haven't uh, had success in the in the last 50 years there, and in the 1950s. And I'm drawing off my memory. I think Purdue may have gotten a win at Penn State, but it, uh, from the Joe Paterno era on down, uh, it hasn't uh, has not been easy mm-hmm. for Purdue. And and again, it's not that uh, not that Purdue is uh, all that different because. Penn State has been very difficult for just about sure. everybody uh, in that uh, in that realm. Yeah, and Purdue actually only and it's, it got a tie in Penn State. Uh, uh, they have won one game and lost six. Uh, they did win mm-hmm. in 2004, obviously, uh, when the Boilermakers ran its record to five and zero and got right. ranked as high as fifth in the country. But uh, this is a tough place for Purdue to play. Definitely. Again, continuing this theme of new quarterbacks. No more Trace McSorley there. Hopefully that may play to Purdue's advantage, as I believe Sean Clifford is, who is supposed to take over the helm this year. Right. I mean, again, you know, Penn State and James Franklin has a dynamic offense. Uh, they're confident. I know that uh, whoever they put in, I know they had a heated battle for the quarterback position, but uh, you know, Purdue will have to uh, have to contain them. And a game that's relatively early in the season will be the first. Uh, the first Big Ten road test uh, for the George Carlos is the world guys mm-hmm. to have have a chance to be able to uh, show their stuff in a big time environment. Not that Nevada isn't uh, will be a good test, but you'll have twenty seven thousand in Nevada. You'll have near a hundred thousand right. in Happy Valley. A little difference, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, after that, they come back home and face uh, first year coach Michael Loxley, the former Alabama offensive coordinator. Uh, when Maryland comes to town, Maryland went five and seven last year, and uh, unfortunately, though Purdue in just the two games has never beat Maryland. Um, what do you think about this one? Well, and I and again, I think Maryland uh, they, they, that goes back to to the Daryl Hazel era, the last time the two teams have played, and and that's what's going to be a 
a, a, a challenge, obviously. Uh, Maryland has got, uh, uh, has got a very good running back in Anthony McFarlane. Uh, he ran, he ran for a thousand yards as a, as a, as a freshman. So, uh, that is going to be a, a test. Um, you can go back to the Champ Sports Bowl, which is probably one of the more forgettable bowl performances when before Maryland joined the Big Ten the first two times. The first time the two teams played when they played in Orlando and Orlando and uh, Maryland won twenty four to seven. Mm-hmm. But the, the point spread in the fifty to fifty to seven loss in two thousand sixteen really was the beginning of the end uh, for Daryl Hazel and company. But uh, you know, I don't know enough about Maryland just yet uh, in terms of what you'll expect, what to expect for the from the Terrapins. But again, uh, it's truly a case of you you you'd best not to take anything for granted. And and Purdue, I think, might be a slight favorite in this game as we look at it today. But uh, it's a game you better win at home if you're going to have the kind of season you want, and a game also on homecoming that uh, will be extra important. Mm, definitely. Following that week, they go back on the road to Kinnick Stadium against the Iowa Hawkeyes and Kirk Ferentz, who seems like he's been there forever. Uh, they went eight and four last year, kind of a down year. And we, of course, we had that memorable game with them at home last year when uh, Spencer Evans hit the game-winning field goal. Um, I assume it, it kind of seems, from what I've read, Iowa should be back up a little bit this year. Uh, your feelings going on to that game? Well, I think Iowa is a team that also um, uh, is a perennial, you know. Kirk Ferentz uh, is certainly the, he's the dean of, of coaches uh, in, in in the country, you know, in terms of longevity at one place, and he's been a, been uh, just uh, very consistent. Uh, sometimes uh, with Iowa fans, they get a little restless when they had the kind of season they had last year, uh, but uh, you expect a little bit of an uptick this year. How good they are at quarterback will be a Nathan Stanley is going to be a, Nate Stanley is going to be a storyline for this team. Uh, but they're always very good defensively. They're always good at the line. AJ Epinesa, who's a Indiana kid that is a very talented guy. Uh, Purdue will need to uh, be able to. This will be a game your, your offensive line will be tested. And uh, the fact that Purdue snuck out of there with Elijah Sindler and company, uh, the game that got uh, Jeff Brom to a bowl game in his first year mm-hmm. and really allowed the Boilermakers to end the season on a very positive note in 2017 with that win in Iowa City. You have to believe that uh, Iowa's lost two tough games in a row to Purdue. And the mm-hmm. Hawkeyes will be ready. Definitely. Uh, historically, surprisingly, Purdue with a 48-38-3 advantage uh, historically against Iowa, although uh, still losing a record on the road. So it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Uh, the next week, they come back to Ross 8 again to play Illinois, who has struggled the last few years uh, with Lovey Smith over there, still trying to turn things around. This one will be kind of interesting. They have a quarterback battle going there with uh, Michigan transfer Brandon Peters and then the freshman stud Isaiah Williams. I think Peters was just named the starter for the opener. We'll see how things change come late October. The other exciting thing about this game, the Cannon Trophy game, and Alan, I don't know if you know this or not, but historically, 44, 44, and 6. So someone's going to be the new leader in the clubhouse as far as this all-time series goes. Uh, how do you feel about this one? Well, again, this is a game that you you look on the uh, schedule and say, oh, produce, this is a guaranteed W, and that's a very dangerous thing. Uh, again, if, if you're Purdue, um, uh, it's a home game. It's a game that, uh, two programs going in other opposite directions. 
Uh, I get all that, but I do think that you are in a situation that uh, you'd better better protect the better protect uh, the home field and take care of business. And you have no idea where where uh, where they will where Illinois will be at this point in time. Everybody's completely you know written them off. I mean, you look at the first seven teams in the uh, or the first six teams in the Big Ten West, and you almost could throw up. A, uh, there's a, you could build a case for just about any of the six mm-hmm. winning that division, and everybody picks uh, to con- Illinois is a consensus seventh place pick. <laughs> so, uh, un- you know that's again you look back last year's schedule, and if you're Purdue and you say Ohio State on October 20th at home game, you're not going to win. Well, Purdue won it. So right. my point is is that uh, uh, two months in advance of that game, uh, there will be a storyline to watch. But uh, yeah, I like Purdue's chances to win there, but uh, you. Things can change a lot in a couple of months. Definitely. Uh, next game, uh, back still or still at home, I should say. Uh, Nebraska comes into town. Uh, Scott Frost, second year. Uh, they went four and eight last year. I would, could only assume he's going to get that program turned around. And of course, this is another memorable game for Purdue fans. It's the game that uh, Purdue went out there and won on the road. Came back and uh, delivered the game ball to, to Tyler Trent uh, that following weekend down at his house. So a lot of Purdue fans remember that. Again, like I mentioned a minute ago. Scott Frost, I assume, in the second year is going to kind of get that program uh, turned around. Would you agree? Well, he certainly is. Again, that's a team that uh, they are the uh, not consensus, but they are certainly the the flavor of the month in the Big Mm -hmm. Ten West. Everybody is is kind of uh, everybody in terms of pundits, et cetera, is kind of anointing with Nebraska as the team that's back. And I, I think you have to figure out that if you're the Cornhusker fan, is can you defend the way you want to? I mean, yeah. I, the, the problem that Adrian Martinez, as a quarterback, uh, is a top-flight guy, but uh, this is a team that was one of the worst in the Big Ten defensively mm-hmm. last year. And if that doesn't improve, then Scott Frost's rebuilding project will take a little bit longer than some expect. But uh, that that uh, remains to be seen, and and again, this could be a very pivotal game in the first week of November in terms of the Big Ten West. You have a team that is picked by some to win the league coming into your home field, uh, and uh, and Purdue lost uh, to the Cornhuskers and Jeff Brom era in the last minutes a couple of years ago. Obviously, they won last year mm-hmm. out in the Lincoln. This will be a tough game. They're all going to be tough, and uh, Adam, I'm kind of repeating myself, but that's the way that uh, this, this season uh, is going to play. you got 12 games, and uh, there aren't going to be 12 toss-ups, but there are 12 games that, uh, uh, that, that remain in doubt. Definitely. That's what I think makes it all exciting, especially. Uh, the following week, they go back on the road to uh, Northwestern. Uh, historically, Purdue has got a really good record, 50-32-1 against Northwestern, although they'll be coming into this game with a uh, five-game losing streak, unfortunately. I can't speak for Eli, but I can't imagine this is not a game he has circled on his calendar considering the last the way the last two have gone for him, although the one uh, two years ago in Evanston, I believe, is when he injured the knee and still played the second right. half on that torn ACL. So I can imagine this is a game he's looking forward to playing. Well, right, and I think uh, that was in a very cold night in Evanston and Purdue was pretty much manhandled in, mm-hmm. in that game. Uh, in a relatively low-scoring game early on. But uh, uh, last year's game was a three interceptions in the first half in the season opener against the Wildcats. It was disappointing for uh, certainly for uh, Elijah Sindelar, but this is a, you know, a new day, yet a very tough place to play in November right. because Pat Fitzgerald uh, is a team that uh, field teams that uh, – 
are, are tough in the trenches typically. Uh, November is built for Northwestern in a lot of ways, and uh, Purdue's going to uh, have to out-tough the Wildcats, one would think, in November uh, if the Purdue's uh, going to have a chance to win that game. Purdue, as we sit today, will be an underdog in that game, in my view. But, uh, again, a road game in, in Evanston in November, uh, it can be dawning. They'll be seeing a sort of familiar face in that game, Hunter Johnson, the former Brownsburg uh, quarterback from here who went to Clemson and then transferred up to Northwestern. Any expectations from him on what you've seen on tape? Assuming he keeps the job, that's yeah. the other thing. You know, it's a long way from now, and, uh, sure. and uh, that's uh, that's what's going to be interesting. Obviously, there was a lot of talk about Hunter uh, as a possibility at Purdue as well, but uh, you can hardly blame him for picking a place like Northwestern. Clayton Thorson's going to be a lot to replace, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, this team is just very usually very fundamentally sound, uh, doesn't beat itself, and that's why they, they have done – as well as they have and got to the Big Ten Championship game uh, last year uh, is a credit to the job Pat Fitzgerald's done. Definitely, and I remember in the last uh, podcast you and I did together, you mentioned the the respect you have for Pat and the job he does up there in Evanston. Yeah. Uh, uh, The following week they get a bye week, which could be good because that gives them two weeks to prep for their trip up to Camp Randall Stadium in Madison to play uh, Paul Chris and the uh, Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, Wisconsin 8-5 last year, historically has dominated Purdue, including a 13-game uh, uh, losing. Purdue has a 13-game losing streak, I should say, against Wisconsin. Last win, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, was 2003, and it might have even been up there because the following year was the game that nobody as a Purdue fan wants to talk about. Uh, of course, Wisconsin still has Jonathan Taylor, so they are going to be a powerhouse on the, on the run game. Uh, your thoughts on Wisconsin? Well, and you're right. The last one was in Madison, 2003, when uh, Ben Jones in Indianapolis who played a Butler, kicked the game-winning field goal with three seconds to go uh, in a game that it's Kyle Orton, I think, threw 55 passes. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, that is a, um, you know, it, it's just again not easy up there. This is, uh, I think, Wisconsin in my view, is really the favorite. I know they were 8-5 last year. It was a game Purdue could have won, had a, had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter, I believe, last year at home. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, and this will be a storyline for Purdue, not that anybody's going to stop him easily, but can Purdue stop the run consistently? That will be a storyline that we're going to watch for uh, in, in, week, uh, in, the, in the 11th game of the season uh, up in Madison. Uh, again, a tough environment in November. Right. Uh, you better be dialed in, and, and that's going to be remains to be seen. You know, there's a little bit of Purdue's toughness quotient on the road. Uh, two games last year, Michigan State and the game, which we didn't talk about, but the Minnesota game as well, uh, were games that uh, on paper Purdue could have won or at least walked into those games as favorites and lost them both mm-hmm. uh, pretty decidedly. So, uh, again, two grinded out. Or, or The Minnesota game was a game in, in difficult weather, as we talked about. Uh, and, and Michigan State was against a grinded out team, but with a with a, a backup quarterback playing in Rocky Lombardi. So that's the thing that Purdue have to show it can do. And uh, uh, even if they play extremely well, they're going to be an underdog, in my opinion. So as today sits, uh, going to Wisconsin is just going to be a tough game. Uh, you have to play your absolute best. Purdue will have to be disciplined at that point in time. And if that happens, they'll be in that game. But if not, uh, Wisconsin uh, will be a decided favorite. Definitely. And they did play him close last year. So do you have that going for them? Uh, finally, the last uh, Saturday in November, a couple of days after Thanksgiving, is 
game everybody always has circled, the old Oaken Bucket game. Uh, IU comes back to West Lafayette this year. Historically, Purdue has owned this game, but the last uh, decade or so has been a lot uh, closer games and some back and forth there. Um, and I think, if I'm correct, the last few years, this has been a huge game for IU deciding if they're going to get to a bowl or not. Um, again, this is August, but Alan, what do you like about this game uh, from an August perspective? Well, it's the last two years. It's been a game that's decided the bowl, if, if my memory serves, and uh, that had never happened in the series till 2017. So, uh, you know, Purdue has left Indiana, sent Indiana packing two years in a row, and mm-hmm. that can't sit well with the Hoosiers and and uh, Tom Allen, et cetera. And, you know, I think Indiana's made some strides in the recruiting tra- trail in the state of Indiana. Um, not that Purdue, Purdue's, I think, still outpacing the Hoosiers in that category. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that, that uh, you know, again, this is a game where you don't know what's going to be on the line. It is, it is, is at home. I'd like Purdue in this game uh, on paper uh, just because I like this, that where Purdue's program is going and where Indiana's program is going. We're just not sure yet. Tom mm-hmm. Allen and company need to get it over the hump get the Hoosiers to a bowl game. But, you know, you have the, if you're Indiana, you have to look at four down the gauntlet of four games that you're going to be every year, every year that you're going to be a decided underdog in, in your own division. And that, uh, uh, I don't know how you navigate that long-term and that's, that's what the Hoosiers are up against. That's right. So uh, next Saturday after that, it's December 7th, the big 10 championship game in Lucas oil stadium. Your thoughts on the chances of Purdue playing in that game this year? Well, if you want to be optimistic, you, they they have a chance. Certainly, okay. I mean there are some that that, uh, that look at this. You know, I, I I think the schedule is difficult for Purdue mm-hmm. down the stretch, uh, playing at uh, really three of the uh, top contenders. Uh, you know, again, I, I think you could. If you took take everybody but Illinois out, uh, but you you throw in Minnesota and, and 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 Nebraska, which Purdue has at home, but the three road games that Purdue has, in my view, uh, mm-hmm. are the toughest uh, because I'm still not 100% sold on Nebraska yet. Just they haven't showed it to me yet. So uh, that's that's where it will be a heck of an accomplishment if Purdue can get to the to the uh, Big Ten championship game. I might think that they're a year or so away, but. Uh, you don't tell that to Jeff Robin company. Sure. They'll be they'll be competing for it, but uh, it will be a huge challenge uh, to, to say the least to get there. I agree. Yeah, those road games at Wisconsin, at Northwestern, at Penn State could certainly tell the tale of the season if they're able to pull even one of those off. That gives them a, at least a decent shot at seven and two in the division in the conference. There, um, I have them going anywhere from uh, seven and five to nine and three, depending on how a few games play out. That TCU game at home could be a, a key one as well, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, again, from you know, a few days away from the first game, if you were had to pick now, what would you think? Uh, what, what would you predict, predict the record to be this year? Well, I think the, I've been thinking most in the neighborhood of seven wins. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the conventional uh, view, and and uh, you know, I, and again, this is something that luckily the Jeff Brom and his his uh, football uh, team. Uh, doesn't need to worry too much about what I think, but I, I think that this is a, um, you know, would you take seven wins or eight wins, seven wins and then a bowl win? Heck yeah, I think sure. you would if you're Purdue. Uh, but that's, uh, uh, this is a program that's that's still building, still mm-hmm. working on the direction, and I think it's doing that well. But you, you do want to see that on the field. And 
you don't want to finish six and seven like you did last year. I think that's clear, but, uh, but that will not be easy. And Purdue will have to play at a high level in my view to, to, to eke out uh, wins because you're going to have a lot of tight games uh, in probably in, in, in very possibly all 12 games this year, you could say it could go either way, maybe with the exception of the Illinois game on October 26th. Sure. I think I saw Phil Steele rank this Purdue schedule as the 22nd toughest schedule in the country. And certainly as we broke this down, it kind of feels that way. Would you agree? Well, it's balanced. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the thing. Up. It's just, you know, again, you don't, I know you don't have Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, Michigan State right. on the schedule. I get that. Uh, but uh, you just have a very, you know, when you play, when you play uh, two power five teams in the non-conference right. and go to a road game in a game that, uh, in an environment that you could lose, uh, all those factors play into making it a, a challenging schedule that not everybody will recognize as being such, but is a reality in my view. Yep. And then we, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit at the beginning with the depth chart and uh, the youth they'll have this year. Should uh, Purdue fans be practicing some patience early on? And again, hopefully, you know, the first game is winnable and then come back to play at home there for a few straight games. But there probably does need to be at least a little bit of patience as some of these young guys get used to college football, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that not everybody's going to going to come on the scene like Rondale Moore did last year. That uh, happens uh, once in a lifetime, maybe as a in a, in a first college game uh, when he sent the all-purpose uh, yardage record at Purdue. Uh, so yeah, I think he, there's a lot of guys to watch. I mean, we've mentioned many of them to, today, and and Milton Wright, David Bell, George Karloftis, uh, just to name a few. This is a team that uh, these are freshmen that are, are highly talented, but one of the best recruiting classes Purdue's had mm-hmm. in 25 years, if not the best. And uh, they'll get their chance, but uh, they'll also have to have to show that they can do it on a consistent basis. And you just don't know that until they suit it up and play. That's right. First game is Friday. Uh, in the words of Jeff Brom, let's play football, right? Yeah, I think it's time to get this going, and that's what's going to be an interesting uh, storyline uh, as well. Uh, I think we'll have some fun. Uh, we're all eager to see what we're going to see on Friday night and throughout the 2019 season. Going to agree more. Alan, again, hey, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming back to the podcast and joining me again. I look forward to talking to you again in the future. All right, sounds good, Em. Thanks so much. All right, take care. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. You can also listen, like, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thanks again for listening to Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.